the sin of the world. There is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Many of us are more familiar with the King James Version, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Today is Human, right, human Relations Sunday. And, uh, uh, next Sunday is Ecumenical Sunday. And so, uh, kind of in conjunction with all of that, the sin of the world uh, comes up and uh, affects the relationship that we have with each other and with everybody else in the world. We are against sin, right? That's kind of a standard thing in the church. But then there's always been a lot of conversation about what that means. And, 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 and historically, people have all had all different ways of trying to deal with sin. Because uh, sin itself, the, the hurt and the pain of that, brings uh, people to being at odds with each other and with themselves and with God. And so when Jesus stepped onto the scene and began his ministry, he did so as what John pointed to him saying, Behold the Lamb of God. And the uh, uh, Lamb of God then had a deep significance to the people then as it does to us now. One, one image or one prophecy that comes to mind is with uh, the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before pointing to that generation of people and everybody in between and then everybody after down to us in this room. And he compared uh, the Messiah, the Savior, to a lamb that was being led passively to its slaughter. And he encourages us all to remember that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him and by his stripes we are healed. So that's what it means to be the Lamb of God. A gentle, loving creature. Passive and docile. And yet, in the Lamb of God is the power to take away the sins of the world. So, and, you know, there's a <clears throat> and there's a lesson there, I think, the Bible is trying to communicate using that imagery. There's an all, you know, the world is full of imagery that could have been used besides animals. And there's a lot of animals that could have been used besides a lamb. But throughout the scriptures, Christ is held up as the lamb And so if we reflect, you know, Christ in our lives, then, you know, 
that's one of the associations we might think of for ourselves. The Lamb Spirit. The Spirit of the Lamb has our spirit, the Spirit working within us. The Lamb of God. <clears throat> Who takes away the sin of the world. There were a lot of sacrifices people used to make in hopes of just having the, the punishment of sin staved off. But when the, John began preaching and baptizing, <clears throat> he said that he was baptizing for the remission of sins. He was calling on people to come and join together and begin you know, letting sin recede from our lives and from the world. And uh, that became like the focal point of our whole faith. The forgiveness of sins. Christ demonstrated to us his plan of salvation was that sins would be forgiven. That God would forgive our sins and we would forgive each other's sins and we would forgive the sins of the people around us. And when we do that, the sin is gone. One of the beautiful things I think about in our service every week is a moment, a brief moment, to just to face ourselves honestly, and we only really have enough time, even when we stretch it out a little bit sometimes, to just recognize and affirm that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the joys that God has for us. But we do pause to do that, and hopefully in that pause, encourage each other to take up pauses like that throughout each day. Because every time, you know, the Bible said that uh, if we, uh, if we uh, confess our sins, then God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to lead us into everlasting life, is the way we say it in our, one of the ways we say it in our rituals. That's what God wants. He doesn't want to hold anything against anybody. He doesn't want us holding anything against each other. He doesn't want us holding anything against anybody else in the world. He doesn't want them holding anything against us either, but, you know, they might have more, you know, people, other people might have more, need more of an example. And we're the ones that can give that as the people of the Lamb, the people of Christ. To extend the forgiveness to everybody around us that Christ offers to us. We often talk about that, about things, you know, about how, you know, for even from the cross, it was without anybody confessing their sin to him, he still forgave them. He still said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They didn't even know they were, but he still forgave them. And that's a challenge for us to be able to extend proactively our forgiveness, not because it's our right to hold the grudge. <laughs> Are, is not, but because we are in the business of forgiving sin. We're in the business of helping people know that their sins are forgiven. We assure them. We offer that assurance of absolution. And we, it's sacramental in our lives to be able to tell somebody that we care about 
are strangers, that their sins are forgiven in the name of Jesus. Starting with us as a demonstration. But anybody can do that. Anybody can not hold anything against somebody else. Or they can hold something against you. But which one is actually the reflection of Christ? And which one do we choose? So behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Charles Wesley in his hymn said that, then let, then let us have our boast. And let us boast in Christ who saves us to the uttermost till we can sin no more. Having our sins forgiven doesn't mean that we can't do them all over again. <laughs> or do something worse later. Or, or something hopefully less worse. Less better. Try to do better. It's our goal to go and sin no more. But, uh, and we still have questions and wrestle with things about what we should do or should do and everything. But in the moment, uh, from in, let's just say in the moment, from the moment where we receive that assurance in our hearts by the Spirit that our sins are forgiven until the next time we do something wrong, which might be pretty quick, but no matter how quick it is, there's a little space there, there's a moment that we have been cleansed. So why not get those moments frequently through the day? You know? The more often we face ourselves honestly, and, 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 and then the more often we reserve that assurance and have more opportunities to start again and do better each time. And then they said it, who takes away the sin of the world. And you know, a lot of times when we talk about confession, forgiveness and all that, a lot of times our mind tends to go, religious people's minds do this for some reason, tend to go not to confess our own sins, but each other's sins. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying, we'll confess each other's sins and we'll be forgiven. Confess your own sins. <laughs> As you could take the log out of your own eye before you try to take a little splinter out of somebody else's. It doesn't work. It's not about confessing other people's sins, it's about confessing ourselves and confessing our own. But it does involve other people in this way that it's the sin of the world that Jesus, that the Bible is talking about that John said. Take away the sin of the world. Not just my sin, or your sin, or somebody else's sin. It's it's the it's sin in general, and it is the sin that we're a part of in all of our associations, in the church, the sin of the church, in the community, the sin of our community, in our government in our other institutions, organizations, families. And when you think about it, in many of the sins uh, of the world, the most serious uh, sins of the world, are the ones where, you know, things that we wouldn't think of doing ourselves as individuals, but, uh, you know, we 
are part of an organization or a government or a nation or something that you know, puts it into law, makes it a part of the way that, uh, that organization operates, the way that uh, system runs that is, uh, causes hurt to people, causes some of the gravest concerns that we have, the suffering, the war, the poverty, and oppression, and discrimination. And on and on that kind of list could go that are corporate sins that we might not we might not uh, want to do ourselves, but yet we can be a part of that. And that, a lot of it we don't want really to have a lot of control over. Most people don't have, you know, even a vote or a voice in many of the matters that that we're a part of. But we do have a little bit we have to pray about it. We can confess it ourselves and, and look at our role in it and see if there's anything we can do about our, our own personal role in, in that kind of thing and make what kind of stands we can, use our voice, use our prayers, use our uh, whatever capacity we have, our vote, or whatever that we do have. And that's the part I think we're accountable for. Not accountable for how other people vote, accountable how we vote. Not accountable for what other people stand up for, or stand against, but what we stand for, what we stand against, what we pray for, and what we pray against. And we can all pray. I mean, we, and if we have people of faith, then that's part of our faith is that we believe that God will take those prayers, use them. In, in many ways that we can't even imagine. And well, one of those ways is to open our own path to where we can maybe have take another step after that and step into it. And so, uh, you know, when Jesus talked about the uh, final judgment, he provided an image for the final judgment that really most people, other places in the Bible don't provide. His was a judgment of the nations. He said, "When all the, when all when the, the when the Son of Man comes in all His glory with all the angels, divide everybody up into two groups according to how they treated him in each other." And so uh, those list that list that he gave. He was, he was the, the nations. He said this was the nations, which includes the people in it, which includes us individually. <coughs> but uh, in his teaching and example, Jesus pulls us out of just thinking about sin on the end, as individuals and just what we're able personally to do wrong, but what we do wrong together. A lot of times, you know, I think the emphasis goes to that individual part. <clears throat> and, and we don't want to forget about that, but, but in the context of the fullness of humanity and our part in all the decisions and all the actions of, uh, of humanity, do we have a part or do, you know, and it, 
it's in the interest of institutions that want to uh, want us to just think about personal sins, like if you said a bad word, you know, how you dress, who wore your hair, something like that. Keep everybody focused on that. <clears throat> Keep our mind off of the bigger picture. Then we wouldn't be voting against, you know, whatever they're voting for. We wouldn't be standing against things that we should be standing against because we're just thinking about our own personal spirituality. When Jesus speaks of judgment of the nations, he brings that into a full view. Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these my brothers and sisters, you've done it unto me. Not just you personally, but you all as a congregation, as a denomination, as a religion, as humanity, nations and states and counties, what we do is all under the scrutiny. And that's where God wants to take away our sin. And that for it to all receive, be pulled back and replaced by love and goodness and forgiveness and joy, peace, prosperity, all the things that God wants for us and for everyone. And so that's something for us to pray about. Don't want Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.